Alright, welcome to another episode of in Blue on this wonderful Tuesday night edition. I'm Ryan Evan, joined as always by my good friend Urbana's Finest. What's up, Kevin Ducey? What's up, Ryan? I like that beat. That's probably one of my favorite intro beats we've had there. I really, really yeah. like So Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's that AI beat that comes with uh, the uh, Restream Studio Professional Edition. But uh, they're actually... They, they've got a bunch of new awesome kind of titles and, and so hip-hop you can pick and chill pop, down whatever, chill. That's that's kind of what I, my flavor we're introing right now. So uh, Yeah, it sounded, than, a lot, sounded a lot better than when we first got on and we're discussing the show. You had your St. Bernard licking up water that sounded like a 1980s washing machine gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> a 1980s washing machine. That's really that's good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like clockwork. So you got there's a reason that we meet five minutes before we do this show, so we can get all the kinks out of the way, and that's usually one of them because it's like you know there's three things in my life that are certain. I'm sure, like taxes, of course, and then eventually I will die. So we got death and taxes, and then number three is that when I sit down to do the show every week, the Saint Bernard's going to get a full bottle, a bowl of water. And he's going to drink that and slurp it down while I'm trying to get ready. So, hey, at number four, Sean Garner will be the first person with a comment on the show. That's our dude, man. I love yeah. what's up, I know. man. What's up? What? I know. Sean, he's, no hesitation. Just bullshit well, well, and start tomorrow, Ryan. It's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know what? I don't know, Sean. But you know what? I don't think it matters because he's going to play 30 minutes. So, you know? Uh, but anyway, but before I, I did our little. I did our little, uh, you know, docket of what we're going to talk about on Twitter, you know, to tease the show. And uh, I forgot to talk about the return of Terrence Shannon and how he played against Rutgers. So that's the that's how we're going to start off the show tonight, actually. So, Sean, thank you for mentioning that. That's a really that's an important one. Uh, so, of course, you know, the last time we left you, we did a couple shows last week before the Rutgers game. And we were talking about, you know, the reinstatement of Terrence Shannon. Um, then we talked about uh, the, uh, the Illinois uh, two Thursday performance against Michigan. Um, but we haven't got the chance to talk about what we saw from Terrence. So Kevin, 27 minutes plus 16 with him in, in the, on the floor, 16 points, four assists looked rusty from deep, but I think everything else, it looked like that guy that you can tell it's that 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 all Americans there and he's just ready to kind of knock that shell off. I think that first time he hits a three, better watch out because I think we might get to, we might you might be seeing bragging right Shannon here real soon. Yeah, I, I my two biggest takeaways from this one. Um number one, you insert you reinsert the alpha onto a team after he's been gone for six games. In a situation where, let's be frank, I don't know that anybody truly expected him to come back before we got last Friday's ruling. And what you saw from the team, all right? So in his absence, what has happened? Um, Marcus Damascus step up, stepped up and been the number one option on offense. Uh, Quincy Garrier has continued his performance of double-doubles and, and, and been a real – real um, glue guy holding everything together, in my opinion. 
Coleman Hawkins stepped up in every facet of his game in Terrence's absence. Justin Harmon, uh, with the exception of the Maryland game, has been arguably the best six man in the Big Ten, if not the country. And what happened when we reinserted Terrence Shannon into the game? Oh, yeah, Marcus Damas just went for, what, like 16-5-6. and six. Quincy Garrier went for 15-11. Coleman Hawkins with 12 points, nine rebounds, six, five steals. Uh, Justin Harmon, 18, and his best rebounding performance we've seen. By the way, like, I knew Justin Harmon had a little bit of bunnies in him, and we saw the two-hand dunk that he got against Michigan. But my goodness, the block and one of the rebounds that he got, I'm like, that dude is way more athletic than we thought he was. So you bring back Terrence Shannon into all that, and everybody still gets theirs. This is a really old team. This is a team that, frankly, I don't think any of them give a shit about getting theirs. And they care about winning. And then the second part about that, so Terrence comes back, all those guys still get theirs. They still get the shot attempts roughly in the range that they were getting, minus a couple. The one guy who who really saw his uh, his minutes decline and his shots go down was Ty, and that's okay. He got a little bit of foul trouble there, but he's also the guy that I think I don't I don't think Ty Rogers gives two shits how many shots he gives up gets up in a game. But the other part of this is we got our back against the wall. All of a sudden, we took a twelve point lead at halftime, forty to twenty eight, and all of a sudden it's. 56-51 late in the game, and what happens? Terrence Shannon scores 11 of his 16 points in the last nine minutes of the game and stretches it out to a 23-point win. And while I know there's some people out there like, we really don't care about how big the win, the victory was, well, all the metrics care, and the metrics matter, and the metrics are what helps you get seeds. And we don't have a lot of quad one opportunities on the schedule in front of us, so that was huge. That was the difference is that our All-American came back and just said, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to take the game over. Uh, two drives to the basket that were phenomenal. He takes half-court possessions and turns them into transition. Like no player I've ever seen, probably even more so than D. Brown. He's got an ability to just ex- speed the game up to our advantage like nobody I've ever seen. And then he gets the dunk and the, uh, the steal and the thunderous dunk. And felt great for him, and it was really awesome to see. And now we get to find out tomorrow night what it's like going on the road. But my goodness, I was impressed with this team and the way that they handled themselves, the way they conducted themselves on uh, on Sunday and uh, on, yeah, Sunday. And I just you know, it was just a really impressive performance all the way around. I do think Terrence hunted his shot a little bit to see what it was like from three. But everybody who's played this game at the high level, all of, all the people I've listened to talk about it, Mike Latulip says, you know, shooting is normally one of the things that really you lose when you get out of game shape. And he clearly wasn't in game shape. He's still in great shape, but he wasn't in game shape. And, and that'll come – he'll be in game shape by the Indiana game. So I want to say real quick, Randy, I appreciate all the kind words you've said about me and the show and Kev recently. So I just want to publicly go ahead and tell you that. So I may have shared those, Randy. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. It's all good. I appreciate it. Uh, kind words are always nice, you know. Yeah. Um, so I can't fault Shannon for wanting to run leash a few from deep. But no. one, one thing we did see was he was five for six from the free throw line. So, you know, you, you can tell he's still going to give you that 75 to 80 percent from the line. Still going to come up clutch from from the line. But what he brings you in transition is just like something that isn't isn't available 
anywhere else, not even not in the Big Ten, but maybe not in the country. So, um, and then his elite defense, I think, is going to come in key here too as well. Um, you know, as we talk about the Northwestern matchup here soon, which is a very dangerous game in Evanston. Um, if every, if anybody's not sure, you know, they they just took out Maryland, who you know was feeling good about themselves. You know, they had they had to hold Maryland off at home, but they did. You also remember too that um, Northwestern has dominated Michigan State at home. They beat them by 14, and they beat Purdue in Evanston. So it's going to be a tough game, and we're going to break that down soon. So we're going to need all hands on deck to, t- to take that victory tomorrow in Evanston. But what I saw from Shannon was, was you know, think about this. The first two touches of the game he had, Kev, a fast break alley-oop to Coleman Hawkins. A fast break he created. Yeah, a fast, fast break, break he created. A fast break when he got the ball, he was even with eight guys. And then uh, seven other guys. It was Terrence Shannon and seven other guys were at this point on the floor. And then the next thing you know, he's throwing a lob to Coleman Hawkins. And then, the, and then the very next one, he was behind like four or five guys. And yes. he ran through traffic. They tried taking it from him. He got it. And then he just dumps it off to Coleman real quick who can another it up. It's just crazy, man. And then remember this. It was 55 or 56-51. Shannon goes on a 4-0 run. On his own, all he did was need to catch the ball at half court. It's a it's a one on two, and you see you see Fernandez, and you see um, <clears throat> you see uh, what the heck's his uh, name from Rutgers. Sorry, uh, he was transferred from LSU. But anyway, uh, two on one, and basically move out the way because he he uh, he ran one of them over who tried to step in front of him. I think he Hi. went. He went. What'd you say? Hyatt. Yeah, Julian Hyatt. Yeah. So Hyatt was the smart one and just got out of the way. Fernandez, who's 5'10, 180 pounds, decides to get in front of him and he went flying about three feet. <laughs> and uh, they decided, uh, <clears throat> and they uh, eventually decided that interview fouled him out too. But that was, that pushed it up to 60 51, Kev, and Illinois took over from there. Yeah. You just, that momentum that he's created a couple times in that game was something that you just can't you can't muster up and make up. You and, know? And, that, so. and that's that's the difference between us sweating out a four to seven point win and winning the game by 23 points is because he has that ability. And listen, this this team without him was going to find themselves in some situations where all of a sudden it becomes a little bit stagnant because we don't really have a guy who can beat you off the dribble. We don't have a guy who can uh, force a change of pace on you. We also didn't have a guy that can really guard the perimeter secondarily to tie like Terrence does. So Terrence elevates this team from what I believe this team could have reached the Sweet 16 without him. I think it would have been a little bit of a chore. I also think this team reaching the second weekend without him probably would have been a bigger chore because I think we probably would have been looking at somewhere in the, the six to nine seed range. So yeah. all of a sudden the Terrence Shannon elevates this team to – It'll be interesting to see how we deal with the dynamic on the road, how he deals with it, how the teammates deal with it. But being old is a really key component here that will help. Um, if we're able to navigate this road. I think a three to a five seed is, is going to be eventually where they end up. A I, think, I think a one to three seed is possible. Yeah. if I mean, if they go on a, if, if they go on a big tear and they can take off, take the Wisconsin-Purdue games at the end of the year, then I think you're looking at a two. for You could be a two for sure. One, it's going to be tough. But is it, is it? like, I mean, I don't, like, well, I mean, I guess North yeah. Carolina, North Carolina has two ranked games the rest of the season against yeah. Duke. I so, saw, um, yeah, I, you know what, Sean, I don't really care what everybody else is saying because 
Everybody else says a lot of things. Jeff Goodson. Hey, this is the best team in the country right now. Everybody should say they're going to win, and they have the best home court advantage in the sport. Yeah, Purdue's, Purdue should win the Big Ten, but Purdue also has weird hiccups. Yeah, um, but by a lot. <laughs> by the way, can, uh, real quick before I get off topic too much, Matt McCumber, congratulations on the birth of his son, Luca yes. Mateo McCumber. I, I, heard he, I heard he went three from three behind the arc today already. I heard he actually got his first two bets. He made his first two bets today on DraftKings and nailed them both. So, congrats, Luca. Uh, I'll, I'll put a future on that McDonald's All-American. That's that's yeah. what I'm putting my money on. So. All right. So, future five-star, Jay Vegan. Uh, I got to tell him he needs to, he needs to be uh, – I should tell him to tune in. Anyway, he's texting us right now. Um, so, as we transition through, um, obviously – this team's a lot better with Shannon, in my opinion, just overall defense and uh, transitionally. Uh, and, it get, and it gives Illinois – you're just deeper. Let's just be honest. Illinois is deeper. It adds, it adds so much depth to this because team. This team went from being really shallow from a depth standpoint to really deep. And, what and you deep. said about Harmon, though, think about this. Like, other than the Maryland game, how clutch was he against Rutgers? I think he was the best player against Rutgers. I mean – He was incredible, dude. Like, to, if he can, he can attack – and drive and make those tough five to ten footers consistently, that's a weapon that you can't, you know, there's no money tag on that. He's got a little bit of Roger Powell his sophomore year, and I've stated this before, and I'll never forget it. I was at the Michigan game, Roger Roger Powell's sophomore year, and Roger Powell, Joliet, by the way, which Illinois got its first kid ever from Joliet. We'll talk about that soon, uh, since Roger Powell. But – Illinois playing at Michigan, and late in that season, if you saw, Bill Self was running plays early on in the game for Roger Powell, and he threw him a lob backdoor cut where Roger caught a two-hand jam. And Illinois did that a lot late in the season, early in the game with Roger Powell, because if you get Roger an early bucket, like he was just so much more engaged. I think Justin might have a little bit of that because, dude, that dude's defense in the second half against Rutgers, he was a damn – he was a pest, bro. He was in people's shorts. He is a very good defender. He's much more athletic than we give him credit for. If he gets his bunnies set and can shoot in rhythm, he's got a great stroke. He, Dude, this – he could be like – this, this team could go a long way. I am really bullish on where this team could be right now. And that's without a true point guard and without a true center that play a lot of minutes. <laughs> well, Chris, did Merez Johnson play like a guy who had a chip on his shoulder tonight? Because I don't know. I think – and we're going to get to that. It looks like Chris said he went to go watch Merez tonight against Bloom. I think it was on TV from what I heard. I could be wrong. So we'll get to that here in a sec. You, um, yeah, but, Chris, drop, drop in what you saw, man. We'll, we'll share with the crew. So. so with what you said earlier, I know if – okay, if you guys had been watching the show, all the consistent loyal watchers of this show, not just people that follow me on Twitter, but maybe you don't have a Twitter. Maybe this is where you just like to get your info. You've known and you've probably felt pretty good about Jeremiah Fears coming to Illinois for a few months now. And why is that? Because me and Kev have been consistently on here with we each have one source and we each have another source that's different. And they'd all <clears throat> pretty much been on the Fears to Illinois train. That's how I like to keep my my uh I like to keep my sources honest per se, and more of like I don't want to have just one source and then just take one person's word for it. Because that's where you can get in trouble when you're making predictions and things like that. So the yeah, fact there's, there's been some people that are really tied closely to the Fears family and to this recruitment. 
the kudos to them could have given us all a little bit more information a little bit earlier in whatever form you want to pay for or you want to invest in a relationship. But man, they want they wanted Jeremiah to have his day, dude. Like he and listen, the landscape has changed, right? The days of Cliff, like if Cliff Alexander today did the hat thing. It's no big deal. Like, we don't care. Like, go to Kentucky. We'll go get the next guy. Go to Kansas. We'll get the next guy. Sorry, he went to Kansas, not Kentucky. Um, Because high school recruits, like, it's just it, – it, like, if, Ryan, if you and I were doing this show three years ago, the the atmosphere around Jeremy Fears picking Illinois, would that's what everybody would want to talk about. Um, But it's been different because of the portal. It's been different because of the COVID years. Um, High school recruits are going to come back into vogue and be – a lot more, um, a lot more important coming forward because the guys are not going to get that fifth year. Uh, but dude, Jeremiah Fears is a great get for this team, and like like you said, Ryan, you you've had your source in your ear telling you for months that that, that Jeremiah Fears was going to be an Illini, and you and I towed the line of the best we can of giving the fans what they want without telling people, yeah, like this is a done deal. We, we've known it's been a done deal for a while. And kudos to those around him for for keeping that close to the vest so that Jeremiah could have his day. Well, and you know what? I can tell you this. Apparently, Merez didn't wow tonight, but he'd been wowing. He's been wowing all season. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I think he's had uh, 21 and 12 type games, 18 and 14. That's just kind of his thing. And, uh, you know, they'd been winning a lot of close games. They'd been a lot of really good teams. Uh, he dominated on national TV against a really good Ohio team. Um, so... <laughs> But with that said, we're going to get to Merez and why I think his snub was not only not only do I think it's ridiculous, but I think we all saw it coming too. It's kind of kind of they they kept him between twenty five and thirty for a reason because they know the top twenty four go. So that's really not a shocker. But I'm I'm actually okay with it for a couple of reasons, and we'll go we'll go with that in a minute. So the, uh, as Kevin was alluding to, we kind of had me and you, Kev, we did really have a good idea of what was going on, but. Yes, there were some smoke screens late. I know people had oh, this old, the old funny smoke screens at the last. And I had people messaging me going, I'm hearing it's Kansas. Oh, I think it could be Providence. Oh, it's Ole Miss. And I'm just like, hmm. I was like, well, let me ask my guy here. Ole Miss, huh? And he's like, he never even visited Ole Miss. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But kids do crazy things. Kids say the darndest things, you know, like the old show. It's a funny show I used to watch. Uh, I'm like, you know, he could have said anything, but um, and then I'm thinking, well, he did go to Providence, but dad loves Illinois. I knew that family loves Illinois. Remember, Jeremy was going to come to Illinois, but the staff didn't agree on it. So he didn't come. He went to Michigan State. Same you know, the family loves Illinois. They, they'd yeah. like their children to go to Illinois. They yeah. like uh, and as Jeremiah said in his interview with Paul Biancardi that I watched on Instagram live. Uh, he basically said that they're going to let him do his thing and the way they let their guards play and how they want them to play. And he wants to be coached like that because he loves the staff. You know, I know Jeff Alexander, by the way, kudos to Jeff Alexander on this recruitment. Absolutely. Because Jeff Alexander's done a great job. He was the big one on this one. He'd built a great relationship and he's built great relationship with the Fierce family. He was the one that really got Jeremy to want to come to Illinois to begin with. And then, he got to know Jeremiah as a youngster, as a freshman during that recruitment. And he continued to recruit him through this process. 
So there's another there's another little one fears too. Yeah, in there. and people are saying why Jeremiah may be the best. The dad thinks the youngest one could be better. So that's scary. Um, man, when you got je- good genes, you got good genes, right, Kev? <laughs> yeah, I got Levi's, but hey, whatever. <laughs> Wranglers. Um, that's so, why I live in Oklahoma. Uh, let's see real quick some chat before I, I don't want to get rid of all the chat before we move on, but everyone needs to look at the TSA situation from the other side. If he played for Purdue, their fans would cheer him and the crush would absolutely destroy him. So I can say this. Yep. Last thing I'm going to say about TSJ as we move on just for tonight, cause they play tomorrow. Um, I'm not worried about what the fans are going to say to him. I'm also – I don't think Terrence Shannon thinks they're going to be nice and friendly to him. I also don't think that he's going to give a crap and he's going to let it motivate him. So, I, I, I agree. I agree with everything that's said there. And, yeah, absolutely. If the, situ, if the shoe was on the other foot, uh, I believe that the crush would crush a Purdue player for that. Um, I've never been a believer in that. I've, I've always been a believer in innocent until, pro, uh, until proven guilty. Um, lucky for me, like I, like I said, I grew up around a law firm. I grew up with a dad who was a felon and a brother who was a felon. And, um, I know that people get shade cast on them. That's not always fair. And so for me, like, you know, I remember when people were saying like, just say no to, to, uh, Jalen Rose and we're yelling at the things about the guy from Iowa. I can never remember his name. I just kind of kept my mouth shut. I was rooting against him to lose because they were playing my team, but I was keeping that personal shit out on the sideline and. Um, yeah, you're right. We would, we would, we would eviscerate a Purdue player from a fan base standpoint. Doesn't mean I, I believe it's right. Um, especially like there are some Purdue fans that I've seen that have come out there on Twitter. that have been like, Hey dude, like the, 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 the evidence against this guy is really weak here. Like this is, and a judge ruled he should play. So that it's just, we're just gonna have to deal with it, dude. And, and, and we're going to have to like, we're going to have to kind of be like Michigan this year. The, 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 the college the college basketball world is going to hate us. Gary Parish and Matt Norlander used to be two of my favorite guys. I listened to their show three I, times a week. And that, I, didn't real, I didn't realize Gary Parish was so bullheaded, dude, and so ignorant. But yeah, I like, dude, read up on something before you start commenting, dude. And so, like, I, that really frustrated me. But that's just what we're going to have to do. I do want to talk about something real quick here. Uh, I read uh, Jr. talked about sincere Harris. I read up. I don't remember where I got it. Maybe a line eye guys, maybe one of the other places. Sincere supposedly went to Brad and said, Hey dude, like if we're not going to have Terrence and we're going to be this short on depth, I'll, bur- I'll, I'll kill that red shirt season and jump back in. And I just thought like, man, if you couldn't love that kid anymore, like not only did he say, Hey, listen, this, I, I need to grow. I need to develop. Uh, I need to work on my body. I need to get stronger. But he, uh, he also said, hey, listen, I'll take one for the team in red shirt. But then he also said, hey, man, I missed half the season. I'll jump in and, and, and bail this team out if need be. And luckily enough, we don't need that. But I, I think that there's I think there are a lot of fans out there. What Sierra said, he volunteers red shirt that I thought he was automatically transferring. I think this is further indication that guy's going to be back next year. And I think we all want him back. We just love the energy that he brings to the team. So it's good. So, and uh, yeah, we're good to go. To me, yeah. I can tell you this. Um I can tell you this is that I don't think Terrence Shannon's going to let anything they say affect him in the, in negatively. I think he's going to let it motivate him. And I think he knows there's a bigger picture. They're just words. And trust me, coming from a guy who sees and hears about Le- it monthly, uh, yeah, weekly, just words do. Cause at the end of the day, are they going to be the one standing in front of you trying to stop you from jamming it? No. 
Are they yeah. going to be blocking your free throws? No. <laughs> and you and you and you and you know you know good and well, like every dude in that college basketball community is happy for him that he got the opportunity to come back and play and get his due process. You know that for a fact. You know that there's every – you know Boo Booey when he sees him tomorrow night he's going to be like, hey, dude, like I hope you go 0 for 11 tonight, but like I'm good go for you that you're here. Because Boo Booey, if it was in the same situation, would want the same treatment. So all the negativity and all that shit that's going to be hauling down from him is going to be strictly from the fans. And listen, those fans don't mean anything right now, so – What's that? Uh, what Randy say? The hearing got pushed out to May. Yeah, that just happened earlier tonight, May fourteenth, I believe, is what I saw. I could be wrong. Is, uh, uh, Mitz, what, uh, and what? So what? Really quick though, what? There's a reason it got. Is that that's not a trial? That's the next preliminary hearing. Yeah, that's the the yeah the next hearing. It's May is it, pushed and back. You know, from I'm guessing the reason why they're doing that is because they're going to pretty much have all the evidence, all the witnesses. Def- all the testimony they can have decide decide if they if they want to keep it or actually take it to trial. So that's a big one. That means though there's going to be nothing new for Shannon until then, which means he's going to be playing the rest of the year. So yeah, um, and and dude, just he has he has really phenomenal attorneys, man. Like Deion Thomas's attorney, Craig Swope's attorney, like the youngest attorney to appear before the Supreme Court. Uh, at one point in time and Steve Beckett, like if you're in Illinois circles, you know, Steve Beckett, that's my godfather. Like I grew up working in his law firm, like, and Goldberg is a phenomenal attorney. Steve was a professor of law at the university of Illinois for decades. Like the, the man knows case law. Like he is going, he is a, an encyclopedia of law knowledge that he's going to be able. I don't think that Steve's going to lead litigate this thing, but I think he's going to be in the background and providing information. This is a phenomenal it was a phenomenal legal team that Terrence has. And if there's, and unless I, I've said this, I'll say it again, unless there's some smoking gun evidence that's not out there that, that we're not privy to what we are privy to doesn't, doesn't add up. And so therefore I, I don't have any problem with Terrence Shannon playing basketball for the beloved university of Illinois. So I'm trying to think, let's see, when is this here? The NBA draft 2024. What's this June. Is it June? June? Yeah. Okay, so they can get that cleared up by May 14th. That's the goal, so he can get drafted. I think uh, – I'm not sure if there's – man, that draft combine, I think – I think the draft combine's in late May, actually. So there's a reason – yeah, there's reasons that they're trying to get that stuff taken care of beforehand. Um, But but I know until he gets this stuff cleared up, there's probably not, you know, an NBA team going to draft him until it's all cleared up. But – Either way, that doesn't have anything to do with his career at Illinois, so we're moving with that. Now, the first five-star, Kevin, over 20 years, uh, top top 16 kid. I think, you know, many of us thought Io could have been uh, – well, Io was a five-star technically, 25th ranked, but the highest-ranked recruit in 20 years. Um, Is the highest since D? D, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, because Jeremy Richmond was up there. Obviously, Io was up there. Yeah, Jeremy Richmond. Um, but yeah. so, um, yeah, with that, the highest-ranked kid in over 20 years. Um, but Jeremiah, what does he bring to the table for Illinois? So there was a lot of speculation. He was wanting to come in. So he was wanting to come for 2024, but basically the fa- the dad, the mom, the staff agreed. We, you need to get you one more year to get a little bit more meat on your bones. 
get physically more ready, especially and own the craft of, of being a lead guard because he has the handles to do it, but he necessarily hasn't been pure point guard as of right now at Arizona Compass. But he's more of a combo guard right now. But th- that's really kind of what's – you got another year to kind of hone that and get ready and get prepared because they're going to be pairing him with a guy like Jace Butler who – I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about, and, and DGL will be a junior that year too. So there, there's, there's just a lot to be excited about for Jeremiah. He's got deep range. Actually go watch the highlights that he had against Cooper flags, Montverde team. And uh, it's a lot to be excited about. There's a reason that Paul B and Cardi jumped him from number 22 to number 16 in his, in the newest rankings is because he's been that impressed with them. He said, yeah. What do you say? With great power comes great responsibility. I'm expecting you to perform to your top 16, you know, ranking this next year. Dude, and it's hard. It's hard when you watch him sometimes, like, because, like, he's a baby face. He's a baby face assassin. He's a junior in high school. He looks like he could be a freshman. And, but then then you realize he's also 6'3, like, and he's got great athleticism. Uh, he, he obviously Fletch is going to do wonders for him. He's modeled his game after Steph Curry. He's got in the gym range. Like this kid is a dude. Like honestly, this might be blasphemy, but from a skill stand skill set standpoint, he's a little bit like a six foot three D Brown. And if D Brown was six foot three, he'd still be in the league almost. Like I mean, damn near. Like the, the dude, he is. Myers Leonard, I don't know if he was a five star or not. I think he was close. Richmond was the highest recruit of that class, yeah. I thought. Like, yeah. uh, but but Myers was close. The problem with Myers is playing Robinson. And so then we can talk about Merez. And the reason why Merez isn't a McDonald's All American is because he plays at a public school. He doesn't play at one of these elite compass preps. Supposedly, there's some rumors through the grapevine that Jeremiah Fears might spend his senior season in back in Joliet. That would be amazing. You know, I was actually thinking about that. Good for the state. Like, I, I, it really pisses me off. The, the, the politics behind the McDonald's All-American game, 20 of the 24 kids went to some kind of prep school or private school. So we only have, like, four kids playing high school ba- – like, regular high school basketball. Like, I, it just that just bugs the crap out of me because if you're from – The state of Illinois to get to enjoy him is last year. I think that's a smart move, actually. Well, how many of these kids do we see go play in these other places from the state of Illinois that are great high school basketball players – like it just robs from the fans. Like when I give a breakdown of the top ten high school basketball players that I've seen play live, it blows people's minds, and they're like, "Well, how'd you do that?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm from Illinois." Like, I mean, when I talk about, I saw Marcus Liberty play in high school. I saw Greg Oden. I saw Eric Gordon. I saw Derek Rose. I saw Kevin Garnett. I saw Ronnie Fields. I saw Sean Livingston. I saw so I've uh, Andre Iguodala. I've seen so many phenomenal amazing high school basketball players play that went on to great NBA careers. And the reason for that is because they played regular ass high school basketball. And I got to see them play in a Peoria shootout or a Springfield shootout or come down to the hall or go over to Indianapolis and watch them play in a shootout over there. They can like, always play in those big key matchups. Look at absolutely, Marez, dude. Look at Marez just, and Thornton. They've already had a couple of ESPN televised games against – other big schools in other states. But at the end of the day, I don't necessarily think that that's going to make him a better player because he's at a prep school for a whole year. You Actually, know, what, I, what I think it does do is uh, – I think Chris was talking about it earlier tonight. He watched the game, said they didn't use him rightly, use him correctly. Actually, 
I've been in, I've been in enough games where guys have great or great high school basketball players, and uh, who was the kid that went to the, the Illinois kid that went to Gonzaga? Uh, uh, we've had a couple of them. Uh, freshman or sophomore at Gonzaga, white kid. Uh, was it Newell? No, he's a he's a big six nine six ten. Okay, yeah, I know, okay, I know who you're talking about though. But yeah, go, go continue on. You're good. So when their 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 team was terrible, right? Uh, and and so when teams would play them, they would just flood him. Like they would send four guys at him, and so guys would have to learn how to adjust to that. Like if you don't think that makes you a better basketball player, there are literally guys at Mount Verde, like. Where, where, where was Cole? Where, no, Timmy was from Texas. Where was Coleman on the Compass Prep? Yes, Huff. Huff is the guy. Braden, yeah, sorry, Braden Huff. Yeah. Where, where was so when Braden Huff would play? He'd play good teams, and they would just like swarm him. And so Braden Huff would have games where he didn't have a great stat line. That's how kids get better. And I, I think that there's a level of like when when Coleman was at, at Compass Prep. Where, where did he rank on? their like scouting report of guys you got to worry about. He was like fourth or fifth. Yeah. And he's honestly a guy, if he came back next year would be the leading candidate for big 10 player preseason, big 10 player of the year, along with uh Braden Smith from Purdue. If Edie doesn't come back. Like, I, I mean, I think there's a level of that. Edie, right? There's a level of, of, of Coleman Hawkins wouldn't even, didn't even make a scouting report to a guy like Braden Huff at Glenbard who got five guys guarding him on a possession. I think there's a level of, no, I thought there was I, – I, maybe it was Owen Freeman that had the garbage team, dude. I'm sorry. It was probably Owen Freeman, the kid at Iowa. Oh, but there was one, no, no, no. His Moline team won state. There's one There's one kid in the state who's like the rest of his team around him was garbage. So I'm, I'm confusing the guys. But what I'm saying is like Merez has a good team around him, but it's not the same. Like Merez gets the ball, he gets ten sets of eyeballs on him. You get the ball at Mount Verde, you got two sets of eyeballs on you. Was it Jaden Schutt who went to Duke? No, I don't think so, but I know he went to a small school. Okay, all right. But by the way, that Gonzaga team isn't even in the tournament field right now. They've been underachieving Ooh. big time in Gonzaga. And Huff's had some injury problems. He hasn't played. I don't yeah. Think. So, but yeah, it's a big deal. And I'm, I'm fingers crossed he comes back to Illinois. I think that'd be, that'd be fun for everybody, Illini fans, to get to just see that excitement, you know, week in, week out, and go watch him play. And, uh, yeah. So. This is I'm sorry, I took this. I took this on a tangent we weren't ready to talk about, but I, I just get very frustrated that the McDonald's All American Game has been so political that you have to leave this. You, you got to tell a kid you got to leave your school, a school you were you grew, like, dude. When I was a kid, I had dreams about running out at Friday Night Lights at Urbana, right? Like I'm trying to remember. I can't remember our field. <laughs> I know it's Oscar Adams Gym, but I wanted to play at Urbana High School. That was important to me, and like if. If Merez Johnson's a St. Rita kid and wants to be that, then good for him. Like, dude, I, 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 I just, you know what? He'll get a chance to play in the Jordan Brand Classic, and that's fine. But the big, yeah. the the Burger Boy game is a big deal. But it doesn't mean shit. Iowa wasn't a Burger Boy. Terrence Shannon wasn't a Burger Boy. Kofi wasn't a Burger Boy. I think those guys all had fine college careers. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> but still, this is huge news just because. If you looked at the ticker on ESPN, it said Jeremiah Fears, five star, commits to Illinois. So, yes, absolutely. That, that's always fun. And, uh, Jace, uh, we're going to get to Jace, uh, here quickly. But while you're on that little tangent, I figure we might as well get to Marez real quick. 
so well, I'm going to tell you why I think he's going to be okay without that. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think here's the big reason, and I'm going to put it in the title right now. I, he's going to have a better career than 90% of those burger boys. And here's why. Because he's already college ready. Okay. Yep. The dude is going to come in, knows his role. He's going to do that. He, he's going to – he's not going to ask questions. He's not going to throw a fit when he gets taken out. He's going to do his job, and he's going to do it at a high level, and he's got a high competitive drive. He's got high IQ. There's no frills with Merez Johnson. He's got a high motor. He's not a diva. He's not going to be a five-star out there that just expects – he's going to expect the ball, and he better get it or else or he's leaving. He's going to come to be coached. He wants to succeed. He wants the team to win. He's not a me guy, okay? He's an everyday guy. He's a we guy. And that is why Merez Johnson is going to be a successful college player. And that's why next year, minus maybe a Cooper flag or one other other guys who are in the, the McDonald's All-American game, you're going to look at his stats at the end of the year and go, wow, 10 points, six rebounds a game for oh, well, shooting 35 from deep. Oh, you know, like, wow, this kid, that's pretty impressive for a, Six nine and a half, six ten freshman big. Like, wow, who's this guy? That's what a lot of people are gonna say. Who's this guy? Catching lobs, swatting shots. Like, (laughs) he's 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 literally like a little bit of Cliff Omaruri with a jump shot. Like, yeah, I think he is. He's a lot of Cliff with a jumper and and the same type of motor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I say, and I love Cliff. Like, I I talked about this. Like, I mean, I I love Cliff Omaruri. Like, he is one. Cliff Omarui, Dante Scott, there's some guys like when they leave this conference, I'll be glad to see them go so we don't have to play them anymore. But I appreciate everything they left on the floor. And that's two of those guys. And uh, the Caleb McConnell was so cool. I got to meet him in Vegas. He was one of those guys. And, and I, but but Merez has come, Merez has come in as a much more offensively polished guy. He's probably yeah. not as long as Cliff, but man, he's like, dude, it's exciting. So. So how did the whole Caleb McConnell thing? Did you let him know, like, big Illinois fan, you know? like Yeah, uh, no, no, yeah uh, it was just, you know, I go to Vegas for these work conferences all the time, and I happen to be walking through the casino, and I look over, and he's playing blackjack. And he's playing on the Oklahoma City Summer League team at the time, and that's why they were there, because they're in Vegas. And, and we'd been we'd seen NBA players left and right. Heck, I did a workout with uh, – uh, I was in the gym actually lifting weights, and who's the big guy I played at uh, Michigan State for one year, plays for Memphis? Jaron uh, Jackson. Jaron Jackson was in the weight room lifting with us, and I just walked over and I said, hey, man, it's kind of cool. I've got to you know, work out with a future NBA All-Star, maybe a Hall of Famer. He was real cool about it. Uh, but I know I happened to be walking by – the, the blackjack table and I see Caleb McConnell and he happened to be on the Oklahoma city team. And I was hoping he'd make the team. And he was a real nice kid. I just said, Hey, he's an Illinois fan. And now, uh, but I live in Oklahoma city. So I'm a thunder fan. Hope you make the squad. He's real cool. Just, I, mean, I just say, what's up to these guys real quick and go on. I don't ask even for autographs or pictures. <clears throat> even though his career ended as the, you know, big 10 defensive player of the year. And he had a pretty nice run at Rutgers. I would have probably brought up the time in the big 10 tournament in 2020 when he hit Curbelo in the dick. Uh, when they were, you remember that play? Yeah, <laughs> Carvello was going. Caleb, up. Was, Caleb was two-time defensive player of the year, wasn't he? Didn't yeah, he get back to back. Yeah, yeah he was. <clears throat> but that—that's my very first impression of him at Rutgers. Is we were kicking their ass in the quarterfinal, and 
he hit Curbelo right in the nuts with uh, a <laughs> Curbelo was out for a little bit. Anyway, what's up, Barry and Jr. I want to let you know I saw your comment earlier. He said he doesn't listen to really any more or many more Illini podcasts, and he appreciates our show. We keep it real and we give good info. So we appreciate you, Jr. and everybody that watches. And and let me just tell you, you want anybody here is welcome. I know there's other people. Who heck, Kevin included. Kevin might shout out other podcasts more than ours, and uh, which is good. It's it spread the love. But family, man. Like, the I'm one thing, family. the one thing I'm going to say about our podcast is this, <clears throat> and you won't see it anywhere else. Name another podcast that gives other podcasts so many so many shout outs and clout. You won't. Okay, and the reason why I don't care anymore. Is because I've been doing this for seven years, and it's it was so hard for people to even give me credit, just for like I remember I announced Matik Vasile's commitment to Illinois. Matik, Matik, five years ago. By the way, I want everybody to know this. Five years ago, it was me. You can look it up on Twitter. Orlando Antigua told me to my face. He, he actually texts me, and he goes, "Nobody knows this yet. He's on a jet coming to the United States. Matik Vasile's committed to us." I'm going to throw you a bone, dude. And I go, whoa, what? I said, is this for real? And he goes, yes. So I tweeted it. Do you realize people still wouldn't give me credit for it? Yeah. And so I just was like, I guess this is how it's going to be. So I'm just, but after about five years of that, I'm let go of it, dude. That's it. At the end of the day, it's not my problem, dude. It's their problem. I, I, I'll tell you this, like, if you if you want the real scoop of what's going on, if you really want if you want to know the X's and O's of Illinois basketball and exactly what's happening on the hardwood and how players are playing and what they're doing, there, there's nobody better to listen to than Michael Latula. And he's 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 on the 24-7 guys stuff. Good for him. Like, would you if you want to know about what's going on, if you want to see the things that that Coleman Hawkins does that the average fan doesn't see. Watch that. Jay Lehman's pretty good on football too, but Latulip's bar none. If you want the real scoop where fans can actually get in and talk about what's actually happening, what the insiders will tell you what they really think is going on, that's Illini guys. And if you want a little bit of all that, like we'll give it to you here. Like, yeah, we're like, and, and this is the thing, dude, is like, yeah, dude, I love Brad Sturdy. I think the world of that dude. I love Kedrick Prince. Mike Cagley is my freaking friend, dude. And I love Mike Latulip. Never met him ever, but Mike Latulip is the man when it comes. He that dude, he was so good on his broadcast on BTN. I wish he was a coach, but he should be in a bigger role in college basketball than he is. And so, like, if you're a fan and you're coming to us and you're saying, Hey, like, where can we get this information? I'm going to help you out and share it with you. Or you can just listen to us a couple times a week right now. That's great. Yeah, That's yeah, what we're I, doing. Exactly, man. Sonny, um, Sonny, our guy over in the line. I'm going to tell you what, Sonny, Sonny's doing big things with his. He's In the couple months, he's doing what he's doing at Big Ten Banter and his shows. Super oh, yeah. professional. I love yeah. the way he uh, – I love the, the, his uh, visuals. He, he, his visuals, his intro with his visuals. I might need to get him to help me figure out how to get the – the front of you know each episode looking looking really good. Uh, he has a really good episode right now where he was talking to, uh, about the new coach, which we're about to talk about, yeah. uh, Coach oh, Gibbs. And one one quick thing before I get too far, Sean Harrington is brilliant with his stuff. The best scout, yeah, yeah. But Sean Sean gives us a minute and a half. Like I mean, I wish we could get Sean on 
to do what Latulip does for Warner because that I mean Sean knows the game inside and out just just like Mike does too. I mean, uh, Sean's not I giving just, us that I, much. Yeah, I could ask him, but I don't want to be like every night. Hey, can, can we get forty five minutes of your time every week? Like, <laughs> Sean's like, like I mean, we might have to fresh our video skills. <laughs> but anyway, real quick, Sonny's is the Illini Cast podcast, you guys. So. And he's actually got really a big good. ten. Really he's got a Big Ten show podcast that me and Kev will be jumping in and off some, once in a while coming in the future. Uh, yeah, awesome, Sonny. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, right uh, on my dude. Good friend. <clears throat> so yes. Anyways, we finish up with Merez transition to yes. I'm going to get to the coach Gibbs. That's the last thing I'm going to get to. We want to talk about Northwestern for at least five minutes. Okay, I think it's very important. Um, Merez Johnson, college ready. He's going to have one of the better careers of the top 25 to 30 of this class, even though he's not making McDonald's all American game. Uh, so with that said, Kev, um, what scares you the most or what worries you the most heading into Evanston tomorrow night with knowing how Northwestern has been playing at home of late? It's it's just, you know, when we, when we played them a couple weeks back and, and we, we, we beat them soundly and it was the first game without Terrence. And I think there was a level of emotion that played into us playing without Terrence uh, that, that factored into that game. But if you go back and look at it, I mean, we were 10 of 18 from three and we shot 62% from the field. Um, we did out rebound them. So, so there's certain things that I think can travel. I think we can out rebound them again. I think that should happen. Um, are we going to shoot 62% from the field and 55% from three and 80% from the free throw line? Yeah, probably not. And so that's that's the concern. I also think that Northwestern probably played one of its worst games defensively. And there was also the level of, like, Northwestern didn't know who they were scouting. They were scouting a team that hadn't been on the floor for Illinois at all. Like, yeah. they were scouting a team without Terrence Shannon. So I think Chris Collins is a pretty darn good coach. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with their post traps. The, the, the thing for Illinois from an X's and O's standpoint that Northwestern is not going to be able to fix is they don't have a big man that can make Coleman Hawkins respect them enough to not be a rover. And we see what Coleman Hawkins is such a disruptor defensively that he's going to give them so many problems. And then furthermore, you add into it, the best perimeter defender, in my opinion, in the Big Ten Conference back on our roster to give Boo Booey some problems, to give Ty Berry some problems, to give Barnheiser some problems. I I, I don't think – I think Illinois is going to handle this game. I think Northwestern is going to give us a little bit of problems. I think their crowd's going to be really hyped. But you know what? That crowd's still going to be 40% orange and blue. Let's be real here. Yeah. Um, that is and, a good point from Woody. They, they don't seem to be a very deep team. Yeah. They don't and – they, and they don't – and Barry says it too. It's something I do, Barry. Love you, my guy. Never, never mute you, my friend. That wasn't you I was talking about. Uh, but like they, they're gonna have they, they don't match up well with us, they really don't. Uh, and unless we just can't hit the broadside of a barn for a game or or we get shook by a nasty, nasty crowd, then I don't, I don't see us being a problem. I, honestly, I think this is gonna have a little bit of the same effect the last time we played Northwestern is like we're galvanized, it's our first game without our guy, and like let's rally the troops. I think we're going to rally the troops. It's the first game with our guy in a hostile environment. And if you don't think them – like, like listen, you look at Illinois basketball and you look at the guys that we put out on the floor. If you don't think them dudes are tough, like, I don't know what to tell you. Ty Rogers is tougher than a $2 steak. Quincy Guerriere is, like, 38 years old. 
Marcus Damask is a white dude who's been playing a black guy's game his whole life. Like, you don't think that dude's tough? Like, I got, I got, I got. Kevin was a medic, man. He wasn't even on the front lines, Barry. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I was an MP, dog. Uh, Coleman Hawkins has been getting more hate from, from the team he plays for than any player should ever receive for the past. Like, that shit ain't going to bother them, dude. Like, they're going to rally around each other. Justin Harmon, tougher than a $2 stake. Like, this team is – Luke Goody, you, you play basketball. You play big-time basketball, redhead Opie Taylor look him up. Like, dude, you don't think he's tough? Like, <laughs> Right. Like, I'm telling you, like, these dudes are not going to – this shit is going to galvanize them. When they yep. get the no means no chant tomorrow night. Oh, and, my God. And, oh, no. and you're, you're a rapist. I'm sure. Hey, listen, I'll give it to you, nerds. Like, how many chances you want, you unoriginal bastards? I'll start them for you right now. Like, I'm telling you, it's just going to galvanize those guys. And I think we come out and kick their ass, to be frank with you. Um, I honestly think that'd be the worst thing they can do because that's going to just make Shannon go hypo on them. But you don't need Shannon to go hypo on them. It's the rest of the guys are going to pick up for their dude. Oh, no doubt. And, and I will say this if, unless, okay, there's no way that they're going to let. Damask go one-on-one on him again, though. You already know that. Damask Damask just dominated their lunch. He took their lunch. He took their lunch money. He took it all. You know, so you know they're going to try and double, which is fine now. Uh, But it's – it. Ty Bear, it's it's just a really big matchup problem for them because their guards aren't really big and physical. So you can put Nicholson on Ty Rogers. You can do give him the easy treatment, and good luck. Yep. If, as long as Harmon's doing what Harmon's been doing lately, I feel like this team will pull it out. I just think it's going to end up being close. But uh, and if I'm wrong and, and we win by double digits, I'm cool with that too. Uh, I just know that if if Northwestern's hitting threes, that's where it, that's where it can be close uh, because Boo Booey usually is, is good for three or four at home. So uh, Bardheiser shoots a lot better at home. Barry shoots a lot better at home. They've, they've got and they, they'll, they'll force turnovers. We'll turn the ball over probably more than ten times this game that we did last time. And if Chicago yeah. State, if Chicago State was able to figure out the matrix, I feel confident we can do it too. Here, here, here's a question for you right now, like right now, is Terrence Shannon Jr. an All Big Ten player? I would I would vote for him since yeah. he. All right, yeah. regardless, regardless, without what happened, is he is yes. he All Big Ten player? Yeah, is Marcus Damask? Yes. Is Quincy Guerrier? Ooh, it's close. Yes. I'd is, say. Coleman, is Coleman Hawkins? Borderline. Yeah. Is Justin Harmon the sixth man of the oh, This is what I'm getting at, dude. Yeah, yes. So, so like, yeah. Oh. I honestly, that's a good one. I think Justin Harmon is, is, if he keeps this up the rest of the year, I think he should be sixth man of the year. And so this is what I'm saying. And Coleman Hawkins is probably the defensive player of the year. It might go to Edie, but it should be Coleman. Like, literally, you've got five guys you could try it out there that are going to get all Big Ten honors at some level. So. And, True. Yeah, and, and, and Jay Bagan says it right, dude. What the guy's minutes? Who, who the guy who's going to lose his minutes with Terrence coming back from a, from a getting bucket standpoint is Ty Rogers. From a defensive standpoint, it's Luke Goody. So we've got that flexibility here because you can't double the mask if Terrence is on the floor and and Ty is not. If they're going to run out that the, dude, we're going to eat their lunch, dude. If you try and do that, crap. the reason and I want and I mentioned this before. So the reason what Northwestern has success against some of these bigger teams is they really post trap great. But the thing is, is Illinois doesn't care about that because Illinois really doesn't throw the ball in the post a ton. They let the so they come from the wings. Damask isn't isn't within five feet from the hoop often. He usually works his way from 15 to 10, and then he'll take his little fade away or he'll turn inside the lane and shoot. 
but they love to double. Like when they throw it into Edie, they swarm because that's why they've been so good at beating Purdue because Edie's pretty much a lot of their offense. And if Purdue has, isn't hitting threes, then Northwestern's able to be successful Dude, we've had- in state. They love to try to throw it in there to Cooper, Kohler, Sissoko. That just doesn't work. But Illinois, we're not throwing the ball in there to, to Coleman Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins is staying around the perimeter, correct Garrier around the perimeter. So it makes them tough for them to, to deploy the type of defense they want because Illinois is not worried about throwing the ball down to Kofi. You know, so so here's the thing about Illinois that's different from every other team that Northwestern's gonna play for the rest of the year unless they play Kentucky. Right. Three of the last four games, Illinois had five guys in double figures. Yep. Five guys in double figures. Let's let's go down the list of guys. All right. Cole, uh, Terrence and Damascus both had multiple 30 point games. Still the only team in the country with two guys with multiple 30 point games. Let's go down the list of guys who have 20 point games. Terrence. Yes. Damask. Yes. yes. Garrier. Yes. Hawkins. Yes. Harmon. Yes. I mean, like, dude, there's just like we have five guys who had 20 point games this season, I think, right? Um, am, am I missing somebody? Luke Goody had a six point sixteen point game. DJ had a twenty point game. Yeah. Uh uh Dane had a twenty-two against Michigan State last year. Like, this is like we have the ability across the board for guys to get buckets. We don't need to rely on one dude to get buckets. Like Terrence, uh, Ty Rogers had a 16 point game against Michigan. Like, like this is not, Illinois has a way. This is why I think this team is so ready built for a run. Is Illinois has its alpha back? They got their number one back, Terrence Shannon Jr. He's back, and from all records, back for the rest of the season. Okay, what, what's so, the line on the game tomorrow? Three and a half, Illinois. All right, um, Illinois covering. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here, here's the thing about Illinois. We ha- we have so a lot of teams go through the season and they're like, well, who's going to be the guy that takes the final shot? Well, Illinois, it's Terrence Shannon Jr. That's the guy we're going to put the ball in his hands and we're going to let him make the decision. But Illinois has the ability, like, we can beat you with – if Terrence Shannon Jr. goes out and scores six points tomorrow, can we win that game? Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. we won games, We won four games without him. And so Illinois just has the ability across the board to beat you with other guys. So it's – Maryland was the really weird game where the only guy who really got in the on, on the on the box score from an offensive standpoint was Damask on 19 shots. Like, that goes away when Terrence comes back. I'm sorry, dude. It just does. Illinois has got so many ways to beat you. I am so bullish on this team. I have never seen a team that is so able to beat you with multiple dudes from a scoring standpoint like this team can. And I think they're going to go – I think this, is, this team has the ability, if they can rally around what's going on with Terrence and put put that chip on their shoulder, they might put a chip in the, in the, in the, in the trophy case. Uh, 100% agree with that. Now, the last topic before we get to final thoughts – um, is on the football side of things. Illinois named David Gibbs, the associate head coach, and also uh, secondary coach. Um, he had uh, a big, big reason as to why Central Florida has went, went to three straight bowls and finished in the top 30 in defensive pass efficiency. So, <laughs> so that um, is a huge thing. That's a big Big smile on my face when I saw that, um, and here's here's why. They were, were they were terrible before he got there. Everywhere he's went, he's he he had Texas Tech top ten to fifteen in turnovers a, a year. The defense there, he turned their defense around. He was at Houston when Cliff Kingsbury was there. Uh, 
and made huge strides there at Houston. Uh, led them there. Uh, he was actually Glenn Mason's defensive coordinator at Minnesota all those years in 97 to 2000 when Minnesota was winning eight <laughs> a year. Um, when, uh, you know, they had Lawrence Maroney and, uh, and, and some other really good uh, backs. I think Marion. <laughs> but, yeah, so he was a big part and he's had consistency of being a defensive coordinator, being a defensive backs coach in the NFL and having success and then coming back and just now recently bringing UCF to, again, I, I think they were number seven one year. They were number 20 and then number 29 in defensive passing efficiency. And Kevin, if there's anything Illinois could use in the secondary that's a really good scheme with a guy who understands coverages, when to blitz, how to blitz, and to uh, utilize their strengths. And I think that this was a great hire because that's going to help Aaron Henry as well. Because Aaron Henry's not just left to be like, you call the plays, you figure it out, it's on you. He's got someone there he can relay this stuff who's got experience doing this already. Yeah, Barry, actually, it does replace Leonard. Uh, we won't have Leonard back this year. I mean, that was a one-year deal. And it was also a deal where Jim Leonard wasn't on the sideline based on his role. So you're moving Gibbs into this associate head coach deal. So he is uh, – God, I hate to say it because Aaron is my dude, and I, I love the guy. But, like, it's giving him – it's giving him some basically on-the-job training. It, like, it's giving him another asset here to help a guy, help him, right? And I, uh, that's funny, Jason. I, He's got a history with Ryan Walters. Yep. True. And it was it was interesting. Is like when it first happened, I didn't know what to make of it because honestly, I thought that Illinois was looking, and I was maybe a little bit wrong. Is like we got rid of Finellis and Boo, and I thought we were trying to go with some younger recruiting coaches. I was wrong because Gib, Gibbs older than both of them. I mean, Andy Boo. I, I I looked at this. He was. I don't even know if he's fifty. He's like fifty, maybe fifty, fifty-one. Um, so. This is this is interesting. I do think like so. Who are we targeting for the next open spot? I think that they'll look at um, they'll look at a, a recruiter uh, for the linebacker coach, or somebody with some chops. Uh, and is Leonard going to get a head coaching job? Possibly. He's or another defensive. Possibly. He might go. To the, he might be going to the NFL. Yes, that's why. That's why I think he'll probably do. I think it's probably best for Jim to do that. Um, so I, I think. I mean. Rumors circulating about Holosek. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know if Illinois wants to pull that trigger from a deep, uh, but I think I think Holosek, I think he could. I think he could probably recruit all right. I think he'd recruit the state really, really well. I think he'd recruit those tough Chicago suburb, the Joliet Catholic, the Mount Carmel kids. You see those nasty kids, kids like, that end up going to Michigan and Wisconsin, Wisconsin that were like Iowa. Yeah, yeah. You're like, where where did you go? And he's like, Mundelein. Yeah, you're like yeah. you're like oh Loyola. I went to Marist. Okay, I, I, I think John Holosek would have a little bit of the Brad Underwood attitude, and like from what I know, Brad Underwood told Jeremiah Fears, "Hey, listen, dude, you can commit to us now, or you can go somewhere else." And Jeremiah Fears like, "All right, I'm done. I'm pulling the trigger." Like Brad Underwood is not. Like, he's at that point now with these kids. He's like, "Dude, you can come here. You can, you can kick rocks." Um, and I think John Holosek would have a little bit of like going in those tough Chicago suburb kids and be like. Shut up, punk! You want to play here or not? I'm going down the street. So, um, and yeah, I, I love I love the idea of uh, the Rochester coach, uh, uh, but I don't think he's a defensive guy. He's an offensive guy. 
Yeah, yes, yes. He's an, okay. Hold on a sec. The Rochester, right? Yeah, Lastly, Leonard, Leonard as well, yeah, Derek, right? Derek Leonard, yeah, yeah, Derek Leonard, yeah, it yeah. He's an offensive yeah. coordinator, offensive yeah, yeah. guru, yeah. The, the Leonards, yes. Um, so I like, like I said, I like the hire because this allows Aaron Henry to, you know, you, you it's nice to have someone you not like a pillow you can lay your head on, but it's nice to have someone who's been there, done that, where. If maybe what you're saying is not working, you can throw ideas off each other. Take what this guy's saying and maybe incorporate what you wanted to do initially, and then maybe even just listen to the guy a couple times and see see how it goes. Because I think this Finellis had to go because apparently just there was no direction. It was just almost like a free for all back there. His first year just wasn't getting it done. I think the boo firing was surprising, but. This to me is definitely an upgrade over Finellis for many reasons because results matter. And, 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 and I had a chance to talk to Antonio. I hope he does well. Same with Andy Boo. I wish them guys the best. Like the, it's always it's always one of those weird things when coaches get fired. Like I don't want to celebrate anybody losing their job, but I think that these guys are these guys are in a unique tight circle that they'll be able to go find a job paying them high six figures pretty quickly. And I wish them the best. I just want to say that. So. If I think if he if if Gibbs helps this defense become average next year, that's a that's a major upgrade. <laughs> yeah, he's got some, he's got some challenges on the front on the front seven, so we'll see what happens. So, uh, yes, Barry. Now we're just getting into like random facts that don't really have anything to do with the defense. Like, yeah, Derek Leonard's won more games at Memorial than Lovey. Yeah. <laughs> and did you know Kevin was an extra in the movie Taps? It's like, no, okay. No, my brother was an extra in Gardens of Stone. Come on, get it right. Okay, my bad. All right. So, random facts. All right. True story. So, and I was friends with Ludacris as kids. I would be down with John uh, Holacek. Holacek. So, lastly, we appreciate all you guys tuning in. We've been over an hour. Um, yeah. we got, I, I've been texting Matt McCumber. He's from the hospital. He's been sending me pictures of his son. I'm too cute. Uh, I might ask him if I can post, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, final thoughts, Kev. I'll let you go first here. We have we've had a full segment of Jeremiah Fears, Marez Johnson, new coach hires, preview in Northwestern. You know, we got Indiana Saturday where you got Coach Woodson talking about they're a, a small team and we only we're a big team and we're going to still play them if they want to play. You know, there's there's a lot going on there, man. That's a clusterfuck in Bloomington. What is your final thought? All right, so if anybody who's still with us who's listened to the program all night long, first of all, thank you so much. Please go to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe. Go to subscribe wherever you listen and get our podcast. If you get on Twitter, please hop on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and subscribe. If you're on Twitter and you're paying attention to the vitriol that we're receiving about the fact that we're playing Terrence Shannon Jr., I want to give all of our fans some arrows for the quiver, okay? First off, the judge ruled that by not playing, by Terrence Shannon not playing basketball for the university, not being a part of the team, but playing for the University of Illinois was causing irreparable harm. Not playing basketball for the University of Illinois was causing irreparable harm. That was her exact language. So Illinois has no choice but to play Terrence Shannon Jr., it is in a federal judge's law to say so. Secondarily, if Illinois decided, Brad Underwood and Josh Whitman decided that they were not going to play him, they have to decide that they're not going to play him 
for things that did not happen in Kansas on the weekend of September 9th. That's the variable that they would have to remove from the equation to say that they, they're not going to play them. There is none of that variable to do that. Lastly, if you are Brad Underwood and you have spent the past two years with this young man who you have called a like a son to you, who everybody who's been any time around Terrence Shannon, listen to Jeff Goodman talk about Terrence Shannon Jr. If you're Brad Underwood and you have this young man on your team and you know what we know, which is in the affidavit, which is he supposedly supposedly sexually assaulted a female co-ed in a bar at the Jayhawk bar in Kansas with hundreds of witnesses, security cameras, and nothing corroborates the story other than her words. And she didn't even know who he was. They never had a conversation. They never interacted previously. And if you're Brad Underwood and this young man that you view as a son, you're not going to let him to play basketball. What kind of what does that say about you as a person? What does that say about you and how you feel about the other players on your team? Because Terrence Shannon does make this team a national championship level contender. And this is what all these young men have worked for their whole life to get to at this point in time. And hopefully the NBA dreams beyond that. So when people come at you and throw arrows and they're going to throw lots of arrows at you, you've got some arrows in your quiver to fire back. Number one, the judge said they have to play him. Number two, you can't play him. You can't decide not to play him based on anything that doesn't have to do with Kansas and what happened supposedly in Kansas. And number three, how would you expect your coach to treat your player under the same circumstances with the same level of evidence? And listen, Illinois fans, be ready for it. Like Brandon Miller's stuff that he got hammered with happened in February, happened February 21st of last year. He had seven total games to deal with. We got a whole lot more to deal with. So we're in this for the long fight. Do Galvin up, put on your orange and blue armor, and just understand that we're all in this together and fight the good fight. And the mute button on Twitter is your friend. Yeah, um, well said, Kev. Um, w- wonderfully said. I'm sorry. Uh, I've got into I've it with some, ranted for a minute. <laughs> I've got into it with some snowflakes on there. I've actually had people messaging me. Like, feel free oh, to steal my meme. You get a mute. You get a mute. Everybody gets mute. I've had people messaging me like, I can't believe you would say it's awesome that he got a standing ovation. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I did say it was awesome. Because well, at the end of the day, if you don't understand innocent until proven guilty, I don't know what. I can't help you. You need more help than I can give you. you and know? if there was evidence to the contrary, if there was, if there was a scope of it, a smidge of it that said to me like, I think this dude's a scumbag and he really did this. I would not be saying this, but, but the DA has got to give us something and there's nothing. And I'm, out there I'm pretty sure too. In that 38 pages, Kev, correct me if I'm wrong Not at all. He, he can sue the university if they don't play him. Absolutely. He can. He will. So, so there's another reason that not only was it a preliminary injunction, some of the idiots out there, like uh, Gary Parrish, as you TRO. said, nope, it was just TRO. a TRO. No, the preliminary injunction, it's incorporating the case law of if they don't play him, he can sue the university for millions of dollars. And so, by the way, the preliminary injunction in the level of it, in every word of it, says that they are taking in nothing about the validity of the charge in Kansas. I'm sorry, but I have to wonder if there's some human aspect in that reads all the charges that happen in Kansas and go, I don't think this kid really did it. You can't put it in the you can't put it in the brief. You can't put it in the words, but you gotta wonder. True. So with that said, 
Here's one more little bit of drama on social media. Here's my final thought. So, and she wanted me to interview her. I'm thinking about I might, but I'm going to break the wave and clear the air of this. Okay. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn hit Twitter. He said he's here for the long haul. He's here to stay. From now on, folks, listen to what Dre is saying about his career and his future. That's what matters. Okay. Parents matter, and I want to let April know what she thinks and feels. It matters. You know, we're all, we all have opinions, and we all feel a certain way, and that's her son. I know I talked to her. She said she regretted saying the stuff about she wished he transferred, and I think it's just the heat of the moment she was upset because she knows her son is was upset because he's not playing, and that hurts her because that's her – you know, I think that's her only child, so – so she told me she's upset. She was upset. She regrets that. She's also since talked to the staff. They understand what, what she's upset about. And uh, going forward, I think it'll be a whole lot better, uh, if not jump into social media. Um, I think as a parent, you know, I could try to put myself in that shoes. Like when you get when your son gets recruited somewhere, and let's say the staff promises one thing or says one thing, and then maybe it doesn't happen that way, just that specific. So this instance with Moretti playing that one game and Dre gives not is the big thing. Well, it's up to at the end of the day, the staff makes that decision. But I don't, I know he only played Moretti against Michigan to get some rust off. That was it. It wasn't, oh, well, we don't think Dre can handle this, the heat of the game here. It was more of this dude hasn't played in five weeks. Let's throw him to the fire real quick. See what see what he can do. He actually played decent. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but that pissed her off, and then she went on a little bit of a tangent. Anyway, I just want people to – if she feels the need to say some of those things, every Alliant fan I don't think needs to make a huge ordeal of it and make a big yeah. thing yeah. about it because at the end of the day, Dre's going to do what's best for Dre. Dre's not his mother, okay? Dre's he, not he lo- oh, no, Let's be real. He loves he loves his mama, and she loves him. That's that's it, right? Like, yeah, and, and the, I'm just saying, though, but everybody takes one person's word and then d- thinks – Oh well, he's gonna leave because of it. That's that's just not. It's not what's what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to clear that up. So Dre's his own man. His mom has his own her own opinions on stuff, and that's okay. But yeah, the, who doesn't love their mama? He should love his mama. Uh, so that was my final thought. I think you said everything that needs to be said about Shannon. Uh, let's go get that win tomorrow. I think uh, it's very very doable, and I think that could propel this team to really challenge for, for the Big Ten because, uh, you know, you got to be 7-2 and two after Saturday. And then you got you got at Ohio State. Yeah. And you got a Nebraska team that's looking like a tournament team. Yep. Yeah, you, you, you've got the opportunity to, to, to jump into the – firmly jump into the top ten with two wins after this week. And I, I know that it shouldn't really matter, but it does. Let's be real, it does. And the, and the, the further we get into the top ten, the more hate we're going to get, guys more hate we're, we're it, just buckle up we're in it for the long haul it's not going to subside until the season's over but that's okay um until he until he's exonerated but uh yeah getting in the top 10 would be El, illinois got to go handle some business and i look i look forward to doing it i want you guys uh get your eye black strap in strap in with us we're about to go in i got five hard fouls to give let me play i got four years of eligibility true <laughs> True, true. Well, like I said, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe on on YouTube, guys. Come on now. Yeah, Sean, hey, Sean Garner. Yes, they did. 
And Sean I, Garner. And Sean I took Garner. South Carolina on the money line. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I also took Purdue minus 18 and a half tonight. We're going to do fade to do some basketball. Kevin, Kevin made some moolah tonight. Other than that, sure. my son's running amok in the other room. So I got two words for you. Swam me out. I-L-L. I and I.